I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to the Trampling Hall podcast. I'm your host, Misha Globerman. Trampling Hall, as you probably know by now, is a lecture series. It takes place in a bar. Uh, that bar is in a city. The city is usually Toronto, but sometimes it's another city. Um, people give lectures on all kinds of subjects. Uh, the one rule of Trampling Hall is that the speakers cannot be professionally expert on the topic on which they are lecturing. After each lecture, we take questions from the audience. If you have questions for us on the podcast, we'd love to hear from you. If there's things you'd like to know um, about Trampling Hall or about the podcast, or really, I'll say about anything, if there's anything at all you want to know, uh, get in touch with us. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook and just on the web in general and uh, send your questions along to us and uh, we'll try to answer them on the podcast. Robin Elliott uh, posted on Facebook and she wanted to know, um, she, talk, she talked a little bit about the, the Q&A and the, the sound quality of the Q&A and she wanted to know if we were going to start using microphones uh, in the audience. If you listen to the show, um, you know that we record the Q&A on the podcast and sometimes it's hard to hear because we're in a bar full of people shouting across the bar. Um, we do our best to record it. And sometimes it doesn't come through super clearly. And so Robin Elliott contacted us on Facebook to see if um, we might consider actually using microphones and miking the questions um, from the audience. It's it's a great idea, but we're not going to do it. And I'll, I'll tell you why. There's, the main reason is that I think when we, we've been doing Trampling Hall for a long time, and that show that happens in a bar is part of a... Um, is part of the real world and is part of a community. And I think when we started doing the podcast, I think one of the things we felt really strongly about was we didn't want to change what we were doing in the show. We didn't want the the podcast to change what we felt was special about Trampling Hall, about the live show. And we didn't want to turn the audience of Trampling Hall into a sort of studio audience for a, for a broadcast. And I think that we all felt that passing a mic around would change what the show was like. And... Uh, and, and make it less like the thing that we had come to love over the years. So the result is a recording that's kind of quirky and kind of lo-fi and kind of hard to hear at times. And our hope is that for you, the listeners, that there's some pleasure in that and that we haven't given you the thing that's sort of polished and perfect and easy to listen to. Um, and that's what Trampling Hall is. And so that takes us to our lecture. The topic is The Perfect Veal Sandwich, and the lecturer is Gabe Gonda. <laughs> Thanks, Misha. Thanks for inviting me, uh, Sheila. It's uh, it's an honor. I'm I'm a virgin in the lek biz, so uh, bear with me. Uh, and uh, I'm, uh, I'm happy to be a a, a warm up act for Mark and uh, and Linda, uh, the uh, the sacrificial uh, calf, as it were, uh, which is uh, I guess uh, karmically apt since I've uh, 
I've eaten so much veal in my life. So I guess it's, it's a simple, it's a slight subject, the perfect veal sandwich. It doesn't sound like much. And actually, <clears throat> as I started to think about it, and my wife suggested the subject, um, it turned out to me that it, I don't think it's that difficult to articulate what makes a perfect veal sandwich. I'll try to do it a little bit later. What's more difficult for me, or what was more difficult for me in thinking about it, was trying to articulate uh, why I'm so attached to veal sandwiches, why they figure so large in my imagination. Uh, and so I'll try to give you a bit of a brief kind of accounting of my life to, 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 to <laughs> explain why it is they have this outsized place in my imagination to this day. Um, and so I'll begin in, in grade seven. Uh, uh, the first day of grade seven uh, was a very fateful day, as, as often happens in our lives, by events just completely out of our control. Our lives are sent into, into, into directions we couldn't have anticipated. And that was a day like that for me. I, I, I started in Mrs. Hansen's grade seven home, homeroom class at Winona Drive Senior Public School. And the boy beside me was a boy named Adrian Morello. Adrian Morello was everything I was not. Uh, I was tall, and he was short. I had pimples. He did not. Uh, he could execute a perfect ollie on a skateboard. I could not stand on a skateboard. Uh, he probably had sex with grade 8 girls. I might have been caught masturbating by grade 8 boys. <laughs> so we were very different. And in one area in particular in which we were different was that he was richer than I was. So he always had more lunch money. So I had five bucks. That was my, like, my lunch stipend. And I went across the street to the corner store, the variety store. And there that $5 went a very long way. I could get two Jamaican beef patties, a Dr. Pepper, and a bag of salt and vinegar chips, which is a pretty good layout for 5 bucks. But if you had $5.75, <clears throat> you could go down to Davenport and Ossington to Mama's, the Portuguese bakery, and you could get a veal sandwich. Sandwich. <laughs> And, and now that, I mean, whether or not that was a distinguished veal sandwich, I'll leave aside for the moment. Uh, although Mama's is no longer a going concern. Uh, so, 575, a steaming hot pile of Kaiser and meat and mushrooms and sauce. And this was like, this was a status. This was a, this was a ticket in, in seventh grade at Winona Drive. This was a, a I mean, today it's probably an iPhone 4G. But at Winona Drive, it was this sandwich. It was, if somebody said to you, yo, guy, let's get a veal, it was like saying, you're in a very special club. So, so, so my first memory of this veal thing is about status. It's about wanting to be included in something I wasn't, uh, a longing for something I couldn't have. But I think that's only one layer of it. And so for the second layer, I'll go further back to kind of proto-history. <clears throat> And I'll describe my father's early life briefly. <laughs> my father was born in December of 1941 in uh, Nazi-occupied France. And according to family lore, he, uh, he uh, could not eat anything but uh, sardines and canned or tinned, what is it, powdered milk for the first six months of his life. So uh, the family got out. They went to Switzerland. They lived out the war there. And in 1950, they went to America. <clears throat> Uh, they left protein-deprived uh, post-war Europe for the land, the, sort of the land of the, the dawn of the food industrial uh, complex, the age of the food industrial complex. And my dad describes in vivid detail getting to Queens, New York in 1950 and having his first hamburger. And he describes sitting on a curb in Queens outside a diner and the grease kind of running down his, his forearms. And for him, this is like the beginning of a, in my family, what is like a, 
an obsession of his with meat sandwiches. Like, he's still a stick figure, but he can eat like 15 sandwiches a day. Now, my mother was from the New York area. She was from New Jersey, and she's Italian-American. So she grew up in this milieu, this cauldron of, you know, marinara and sausage and peppers and, and uh, meatballs and, and veal. Uh, so if you're trying to kind of create a, uh, a sort of a, a template for my, my ur-veal obsession, it, my mother, you could say, is the content, and my father's the form. The content is Italian-American cuisine. The form is this sort of hungry European refugee. <laughs> so... My dad, my dad, though, is a, he teaches philosophy at uh, York, and, he, and, he, uh, and he, uh, he thinks he knows a lot. And, he, and he, one thing he claims to know is that veal parmigiana sandwiches, as they're called, are a local Toronto delicacy. He, his assertion is that you can't get a veal uh, sandwich in New York City. You get a chicken cutlet, you can get an eggplant parm, you can get a sausage sandwich, you can get a meatball sandwich, but a veal Parmigiana sandwich is actually a Toronto delicacy. I'm not, sh- I, it's unsupported. I can't challenge it. I'll leave it at that. What we can say, I think, with a, a, a relative degree of certainty is that uh, veal Parmigiana sandwiches, whether they're a Toronto delicacy or not, are not an old world food, despite the name. There's nothing Parma-like about a veal Parmigiana sandwich. Uh, uh, and so it's, it's, it's of note that the people who ate these sandwiches, the people among whom they flourished, the Calabrian and Sicilian and Napolitan construction workers of the post-war era, these guys, uh, they were eating an, an American food. Uh, and, and, and it's connected very much to the, this, this age of you know, post-war flourishing of the food industrial complex that my father was enjoying when he had that first hamburger. And, th- and this brings us to a, uh, a sort of second dimension of, of, the, of the discussion about veal, which is the ethical political dimension, which is a troubling one. Because many people think veal is disgusting. The mere idea of it, uh, the mere thought of it, is repugnant to so many people. And I, and I, I, know I, I, can, I cannot empathize with them, but I can sort of sympathize with them. I can understand <laughs> from a distance what they, what they mean. Uh, uh, so another episode from my personal history, grade six, uh, end, end of the school year, end of six years at Palmerston Public School, French immersion, uh, giddy to get out of class. It's springtime. It's a beautiful day. We're sitting in the classroom, and outside the window, a cow goes running by. Like a real live fucking cow. <clears throat> and, it's, and it's escaped, apparently, from the abattoir up at uh, St. Clair and Kiel. This is like a totally electrifying event in the life of the grade six class at Palmerston Public School. It, it was awesome. And, and, and I just thought it was a wonderful spectacle. Now, this class was full of the first sort of the vanguard of, of West Annex or Seton Village gentrifiers. This is 1986 or 7, right? So these are all kids whose parents teach at, at U of T or York. Many of them are left-leaning. And so it, it was a politically galvanizing event for our class. <laughs> this girl named Jessica Hay uh, immediately uh, sparked a petition to try to, you know, save the life of this cow. Now, I don't know... I don't know... If it did any good, I don't know what happened to that cow. Uh, we may all have had a hand in, in, in eating it. But, but, but it did a huge amount for Jessica because apparently she never ate meat again. Now, it, I just liked the show. I'm a journalist. She's a psychologist. You guys do the math. Uh, but his, history was on her side. Uh, you know, it was at that same time in North America that the veal industry, the meat industry, began to come under really effective scrutiny by activists, right? This was a time when people became to kind of become, on a mass level, aware of the fact that baby cows were kept in these horrible little hovels, pumped full of hormones and, and antibiotics, and uh, 
and uh, let me consult my notes here for a second, and uh, really ill-treated. And, uh, and, and it turns out that it was, an, it was a real turning point in the, in, the, in, the, in the life of the North American calf, because at that time in the United States, only about 7% of veal came from what are called free veal. Uh, uh, these are veal who are allowed to roam uh, in a pasture and, and eat from their mother's milk. And, and now, today, it's about 35%. So the campaign that began in the era of Jessica Hayes' great petition has actually borne some real fruit. Um, the, 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 the problem, though, with the veal that you get uh, that's, that's not treated really badly is that it's tough. It's, it's called red veal, and it's called red veal because it's not tender. It's, it doesn't have that ineffable veal-like quality of being almost uh, re resistanceless. And, and, and so, no, that's, no and so, and so, which brings us to the subject of the, of the lecture, which is, a, as I acknowledged at the outset, an ugly one. Is there such a thing as a perfect veal sandwich? I mean, again, the idea to many is repugnant. But if you accept, you know, as a Platonist would, that there, there are forms to all things, that, that anything can be perfectible, then I think it's not a, a leap to suggest that even a, a repugnant, a morally indefensible veal sandwich can be perfectible. Uh, so, to wit, I'll describe what I think a perfect veal sandwich doesn't include. It doesn't, like the one at St. Lawrence Market, it definitely doesn't have cornmeal on the bun. That's for the munchie cakes. It, 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 it doesn't have sauce from a can. It doesn't have gristly meat. It isn't left in a pan for too long. It doesn't have too many condiments. Now, I had a veal sandwich, I'll confess, last night with my dad watching the Super Bowl. <laughs> And it was from California's. California's is the sort of the local emporium. It's, 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 it's the acknowledged source of the perfect veal sandwich. So I'm offering you the, the, the radically conventional wisdom in Toronto on what a perfect veal sandwich is. Now, California's gives you a Kaiser uh, that's soft uh, but chewy, not baguette chewy, just chewy enough. The, the tomato sauce is, a, is like a Marzano marinara. It's sun sweet, but it's not, you know, it's not white sugar sweet. The, the peppers are, are sautéed in olive oil, and they have a slow kind of heat. The, the veal, as I say, is kind of this ineffably uh, uh, buttery stuff. And, it's, and it's, again, it's, it's terrible, because the veal's texture is like a metaphor for its, its, its sad little life. It's, it, it, provides, it provides zero resistance to the teeth, the way that these poor creatures provide zero resistance to their captors. Um, but I have to say... I've never been a politicized eater. I'm not a Jonathan Safran Foe or devotee. I, I just enjoy food. I mean, that veal sandwich went down last night in like a, a blur of hands and God knows what else in about 30 seconds. Uh, but the truth is, I'm not, a, I'm not someone who eats these things all the time. And in my, in my private life, I've moved a bit away from, from you know, junk food and veal and, and things like that. At home, we, we have two boys. We don't, you know, we try to bring... Uh, nitrate-free meat into the house. When, when I was in my prime, I had a girlfriend who lived at Palmerston in college. <laughs> and, and, and so I would walk to, to the Californias down at Claremont, and I would eat two veals in a go. I mean, that was, that's like 2,200 calories, right? That's enough for a... Most male adults on this planet don't get that many calories in a day. So, so I don't eat... I, I maybe eat a red meat once a week now. Um, but it, the, the power of these sort of... These familiarly rooted foods, these foods that have a hold on our kind of our whole person, is very strong. I took my 
three-year-old boy, he was then three, a couple years ago, and my dad to California's for Father's Day. Uh, uh, it was, I think, 2008, and, uh, and it was closed. California's was closed. So we made our way up to San Francesco's at Clinton and Gore, which is a sort of sad little cousin of California's. My dad and I got a veal, and, and, uh, and Charlie got a, a bun with some sauce on it. I wasn't ready to inflict the whole thing on him quite yet. And, uh, <clears throat> and, and we sat on the curb, there was sauce sort of dribbling, you know, reminiscent and such. And, uh, and, uh, and so I kind of, I kind of, I'm curious to know in his life, what will be Charlie's veal? Uh, that's, that's that. Dave Gondas, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to the Trampoline Hall Podcast. I'm Misha Goldman. Up next, I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Are there are there are there are there any questions? Oh yes, you, ma'am. You you in the back? Yes. The free range veal is called red veal. It's it's uh, it's like a beige. It's beige, which is the, app, right? It's it's a non-color color. It's, yeah, it's like yeah, it's the color of the, the veal, the regular veal color. Are you are you vegetarian? Do you not eat veal? Or you've never had veal? Are you persuaded to? Does this make you? No. Sandwiches okay. are really good. <laughs> it is a delicious sandwich. Anything else? Anything else you would like to know? Yes, yes, you, ma'am. Yes. Is there Parmesan in the sandwich? I, I left out a lot. In the breading, there should be a bit of Parmesan cheese, and it should be flash fried. Uh, in the breading, there should be a little bit of Parmesan cheese, yeah. And it provides salt, I think. I've, Good. All right. I've never made one. I'm just... Yeah, all right. Uh, yes, uh, yes, yes, you, ma'am, yes. Uh, it's interesting. At the end of your talk, you look forward to knowing what you're stuck with now. Yeah. So they had it? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. So the, the so just for those who didn't hear, the assertion was that San Francesco San Fran, is it San Francesca? Is that oh. the San Francesca? You San Francesco? San, so San Francesco. I'm sorry to make it sound like a girl sandwich place. That San Francesco <laughs> was was the sandwich of choice in this woman's day, but now na, but nowadays when things are all topy, topsy turvy, it's California. And the question is why? Why? Uh, and with respect to San Francesco, which made a great veal sandwich in the '80s, this, especially the one, there was there was. 
There was one at, uh, at Queen and Bathurst, and there yeah. was one on the Corso Italia, close to Caledonia and St. Clair. You know, I, I think veal, if, it's, if it works, has to be a volume operation. The reason that California's is great is because they churn out so many. If, if, the, if, if the kitchen's at rest, I mean, food tends to not to be good. And it, it's, California's, I think, had a kind of a volume operation that was unstoppable. It's sort of the, it's the local Walmart of veal, right? It's, it's uh, to be like even more villainous about it. <laughs> <laughs> we were missing a dimension of evil in there. You're like, how can we make it? What else, what else can we compare? What else can we make it There's got to be a t-shirt in this. <clears throat> So that makes sense. Okay, so yeah, so that and I and I, I remember that old place, that place at Queen and Bathurst was that was yeah, really it's nice. where the pizza pizza is. Yeah, pizza pizza yeah, I know. And it used to be really good. Where they also make things really fast, but not not so it's not, so, yeah. not so delicious. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. Yes. Yes. You, ma'am. Yes. Um, what did your mom eat last night when you and your dad? What did your mom eat when your dad so were eating meaty I, sandwiches? I left this out. That's an I, awesome question. I left this out. My mom in the '80s, when when Jessica Hay was getting that petition going, gave up meat. Uh, and and my parents are divorced. My mother likes women. So, so that's, we can leave that for another lecture. Uh, but but uh, she's, interestingly, since uh, uh, also left vegetarianism behind. So she's kind of a, she's, a, she's returned to, to uh, meat eating. But, uh, not to, but not to men. She's not to men, no. As far as I know. It's not, I don't really ask. Fair enough. Okay, so, you don't, so the answer is probably that you don't, you don't know what your mother because she wasn't watching the Super Bowl. With she you was. And she was no. It was just me and my dad. They're divorced. So my mom. I don't. I th- no. You know. Actually, no. It's. A, it's actually. It's. It's. It's worth thinking about. She made that. That uh, white bean and kale casserole. That's number three on the Times most emailed list right now. <laughs> she did. She did. No. I know. It's true. And it's in our she, fridge. It's actually quite good. When she I, made it, like off. Okay. First of all, it's on the. It's the Times most three emailed recipes. Yeah. No. It's on. It, or most the most three emailed things of all that. Like there's you got like, D- David, like David Brooks, Hosni Mubarak, white, white beans and kale. <laughs> It's amazing. Wow. And so she was like, and she, because she follows the news. I guess, like, I, I think my wife emailed it to her. I don't know. It was going around. Is that true? Yeah, the kids yeah. hated it. The kids did not like kids it. Kids hate no. it. You know why kids hate it? Because it's got kale and white beans in it. It's a terrible thing. Yeah, and because they, they, know, they know the truth, children do. Exactly. That's right. Um, yeah, okay. So, uh, so the answer is we don't, we don't know, but maybe she was eating the most popular food in Western media. Flash in the pan, I would offer, but we'll see. Yeah, no, absolutely. It doesn't seem like it's going to last. Absolutely. The thing about the news is they always focus on like what's big today, but they don't exactly. see the, what's important in the long exactly. run. Um, anything else? Anything else that people would like? Uh, yes, you, ma'am. Yes. Given, that, given what we know of your dad, mm. why wouldn't he spring for the extra seventy-five cents to? Why wouldn't your dad give you this money that the seventy-five cents you need to have a good lunch instead of having to eat patties? I don't. I don't think I, that's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> Cheap. Did, you Did you ask no, him? No, I, I think I had a set allowance, and I think most of it went to comic books. And I think like the lunch money was just sort of leftovers. So I think it just never, it never, I didn't prioritize it right. I hadn't, I didn't get, I hadn't straightened out my values yet at that age. So I, I was still more into comic books than food. Yes, you, sir. Yeah. Um, between the red veal and the beige veal, what are the digestive differences? What are the digestive? Now, when you said the digestive differences between yeah. the veal, do you mean that di- digestive for Gabe or for the veal? Oh, so what's the, how are they different to digest? Yeah. I don't know that I... I, uh, I don't know. That's a good question. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know. It probably depends on the rest of your diet. <laughs> oh, I'm serious. Like, I don't... 
what, like, what would affect that? I think if you have like the kale and white beans half the time, you're probably gonna, either way, you'll... you'll you can digest it. anything if you have all that stuff, right. But if you just, but let's say the rest of what you eat is, is, is those little potatoes that you get in Little Portugal. That's all you eat. You eat those all week, and then once a week you have a veal sandwich. I mean, it depends on your constitution, but I don't like your chances in that case. Yeah, it doesn't matter. So, it doesn't, so, it's like, so you think they're about the same? They're similar? I would guess. I would guess. They are similar, guess, they are similar to digest. Okay, great. Um, you, ma'am, yes. You made it sound like you didn't think California's was the best veal sandwich in town. Oh yeah, is, is California's the best veal sandwich in town? I think it is. I think it is. But I, I don't. I actually have gotten lazy. Like there was an era, an age in my life where I would have actually gone to if somebody said, "Oh, there's a great veal at like this strip mall in Etobicoke," I would have gone. I don't have as much disposable time, so I can't. I can't like with real authority say it's, it. It does have. It, there are ten of them now. There, the one at Claremont you got to go to because in the back. Like there's other there's others that are kind of in the in the suburbs, but the one on Claremont, there's a bunch of nonas in the back, and they have these cast iron skillets. There's like this team of there's black a bunch of what in the back? nonas, like Italian nonas. grandmothers. Okay, I thought, right. you know, and and they're all kind of and they've got these skillets, and they're all of the same vintage, the skillets and the nonas, and they're just like this total. It's like an incredible operation. And where is it? It's a, it's a so Claremont runs north off of Dundas, where the 7-Eleven is, just yeah. down that way. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's one block north of um, Dundas. Oh, so it's not far? Okay, that's not Yeah, it's pretty close. Oh, okay. Yeah. We could all walk over after. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so now we know where to go. Okay, yes, yes. What do you drink with it? What do you have to drink with it? Almost always a Bria. A Bria, yeah. Yeah, sure. That's, that's, yes. that's just the obvious. Yes, yes, you meant. Why do you drink why did your dad's family leave France? Uh, they didn't want to. They didn't want to get killed. No, I mean they were like the Nazis. My dad's dad lived in Paris, and he was the proprietor of a little newspaper. And they just knew that was shit was coming, and it was better to get out. They were Jewish. They were Jewish. Was Good, like, right. Yeah. Did I leave that the out? Crowd. <laughs> I mean, wow. Your family. Your family. Fuck. Many, many families who fled Europe don't, are in like incredibly quick to admit that on stage in a room full of people. Like, you never know, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but yeah, they were, all right. Um, okay, so there we go. So they were the, the smart people who left Europe at the good time. Um, uh, do you think? Do you think it is? Do you think it is? Um, uh, do you think that is like the, a quintessen- quintessentially Torontonian food? I, that you know, I think I think it's it's uh, it's possible because uh, I, I haven't actually encountered it anywhere else. But uh, I yeah, I don't know. It could be. It could be. Yeah. We were, I was it, it strength by strange coincidence. I, we were Sheila and I were on our I think on our way up thinking about the fact that we were. Like we were wondering if there was like a food that was quint- that could be thought of as quintessentially Torontonian, and we couldn't think of one, but that veal sandwich might be pretty close. No, I think it could be close, and I think it's I think you, I think someone's made the case. Like I think I don't recall exactly who, but I remember someone making that argument. That, that was like, like that you're could looking be our, for like the quintessential Toronto street food. Because I don't think we're known for anything worldwide. I don't think that, that anything. I don't think that there's a food that like like you like Montreal smoked meat or poutine no, from Quebec. Like no. there's no one. No one's like oh I want some of that Toronto chicken breast sandwich like no one's like you know no no it's true it's true but maybe that could be well we could I mean it's I mean it would be a divisive campaign if you wanted to start that like the campaign to make I don't care no (laughs) I'm not not afraid you haven't had one have you had one a veal sandwich you think I'm a moron of course I've had a veal sandwich Why did you? Why did you assume I didn't have a veal sandwich? You, said you hadn't been to California, so I just thought. No, I have been. I've been. No, I've been to. I had been to. I was. I remember the old place at Queen and Bathurst. I used to go there, and I've been to the place okay, at, no, at the college, and I, I've been. I've had. A, I've had quite a lot of. I might have had. I've had a lot. I'm not. I've had a lot of veal sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, no, they're wonderful. It's and I think it's one of the. Yeah, it's one of the best things. Uh, I've had veal. Yeah. Um, do you have a? Do you have a? Do you have a? Do you ever think about um, when you hear about? That the, the, when they were always talking about like the scientists wanting to grow the meat in labs, yeah. 
would that be maybe the perfect veal sandwich? Because that almost seems more veal-like than veal itself. You know what I mean? Like you just have this like yeah. tissue in a thing, and it never—it doesn't even get to have a mother. Like it's just like it's just like this meat, and I bet it is. I bet it is not tough because it is the opposite of like no, free, I think, free I, running. I think there's. I mean, if if you're if you're of the school that it's the experience of the eating that matters, not the provenance, then I. I think there's a, a case to be made for the petri dish feel. But are you not at that school? Are you like, are you like, no, no, I need the suffering? Like that's part of the deliciousness lies in the suffering? Or? Actually, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, no, it, it is because it's, I don't know. I, that's, I have to think about that. It's like, I mean, obviously the idea of food, like in all seriousness, the idea of food from a petri dish is, is kind of gross and scary. And that's, it is funny, but that's, kind of, that's grosser and scary to you than like the, no, the, I mean, the course, horrible suffering. Of, of course that's gross and scary too. Okay, it just, all right. I don't know. I can't. I, like I say, I can't. It's sort of. The, it's the indefensible, but it's not a. It's not a rational thing. Right. People have been doing it for a long time. At least it's like normal. It's normal. For, yeah. Like so. In, sort of three hundred years hence, when we're sort of inured to petri dish meat, and and you know my descendants are having a trampling hall, defending their taste for like petri dish sandwiches or whatever. <laughs> it'll be like a like a long-standing tradition and somehow sanctified. Maybe that's. I don't know. I look. I look, I look forward. Maybe, I'll, maybe, maybe we'll end just looking forward to that. that to that day. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Gabe Gonda, ladies and gentlemen. Trampling Hall was created in Toronto in the 21st century by Sheila Hetty and is hosted by me. This episode's lecturer was selected by Sheila Hetty. The podcast is produced by Josh Block. Our theme music was composed by Matt Smith. Trampling Hall is a sumo audio podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook. If you enjoyed the podcast, uh, why not leave a review on iTunes? It really helps us out a lot. Also, Sumo Audio has another great podcast. It's about chips. It's called JustChips.com. You may want to check that out, too. I am Misha Globerman, and thanks for listening. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.